0: Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Amen, if you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Acts chapter 19, verses one through seven, we're continuing our series for the season of Pentecost. Season of Pentecost is uh, the 50 days following Easter, and uh, that's all about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God sent on the day of Pentecost. You can read of it in the book of Acts chapter two, and that was his promise that after Jesus rose again, he would send the Holy Spirit. So this series is titled The Promise, and today's message is, did you receive when you believed. Did you receive when you believed? You know, last year, as many of you are aware, we had to place my mom in hospice uh, for the last few months of her life before she went to be with Jesus because of her declining health. And during a visit, shortly after having uh, gotten her in the hospice program in my home, the case manager visited and said, you know, since you enrolled, have you received X, Y, and Z? And she listed certain resources that were available for the care of mom. And my my response was no I didn't even know that that was available because I couldn't ask for what I didn't know had been provided amen God has provided so many things for us, but we can't ask for them unless we know that they're available. And that's why it's so important for us to read his word, amen, because his promises are contained in his word. And one of the most important and wonderful blessings that God has made available to us is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But there was a group of believers in a city called Ephesus that they had never even heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So they had not yet received this wonderful provision of God's promise. Read with me, if you will, Acts chapter 19. We're reading verses 1 through 7. The scripture says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions while he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when, or actually some versions say since, meaning after you believed? He asked them, no, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked, and they replied, the baptism of John, which was a baptism unto repentance. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. I want us to see what's happening in this passage of scripture. Paul, as he's traveling about on his missionary journey, he comes to a group of believers at the city of Ephesus who obviously he recognized as already being saved uh, as implied in his question, have you received since you believed? And he calls them believers and he baptizes them in the name of Jesus. So obviously that is a sign that he believed them to be saved. Yet Paul understood that there was something more that God wanted to do in their life. There was something more that they needed to live out the Christian life. In the New Testament church, there was an urgency to bring new believers into this experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit as soon as possible, as soon after they believed because the New Testament leaders, the New Testament apostles, they understood the vital importance of being filled with the Spirit. That's why Paul's first question, when he found these believers at Ephesus, was did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? He didn't say, you know, uh, did you take a membership class to be a part of the church? Not that there's anything wrong with that. We have a membership class. It's important to know the doctrines. Of what, but he didn't say, you know, did you take a membership class? Do you know the doctrines of the church? Uh, did you uh, um, join a small group? He didn't say any of those things. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? since you believed he was saying this is this is of utmost importance once you become a believer and if you read in the in acts chapter 8 the same urgency is expressed to another group of believers in samaria where almost the whole city in samaria accepted jesus as savior and when the news gets back to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, they immediately send Peter and John to pray for them because as of yet, none of them had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So this is how urgent they saw it, that, that it was essential that they immediately send Peter and John to pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they did. Now, for Paul and the apostles in the New Testament, their chief concern, for every believer is that as soon as they got saved, they would also be baptized in the Holy Spirit because they understood this as an absolute necessity. They understood that the power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to live the way God is calling us to live and to do what God is calling us to do. And because that was the same emphasis that Jesus placed on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember when he ascended to heaven, right before he did, he told them, go and wait in Jerusalem until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus emphasized the urgency and the importance of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, so much so that he said, don't move, don't go anywhere, don't try to do anything, just stay and pray until you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God is asking us the same question that Paul asked that group of believers in Ephesus. And he's saying to us, have you received the Spirit since you believed it's important for us to gain a sense of what that means It is an empowerment to live the way God is calling us to live and to do what God is calling us to do. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it will be signified by speaking or praying in a language that we never learned, as we see repeatedly in the book of Acts. And we just read it here again in Acts 19, that when he prayed for them and they were filled, they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. So that'll be the sign that you know that you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And you say, well, pastor, I've never spoken in tongues, but I've experienced the presence of God yes, indeed, you can. You can experience many wonderful uh, moves of God in your life, but it's not until this happens, where you speak in other tongues, that you have actually experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But as we look at what that means, it's important for us to understand the different ways in which the Spirit fills us, because then I believe we will begin to be grasped by the absolute necessity of ourselves being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can see the work of the Holy Spirit reflected in several verbs used in the New Testament to describe the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write the book of Acts and he just didn't inspire thoughts. He inspired the very words, the very words that Luke wrote that Luke wrote down. In fact, that's true of every writer of scripture. God breathed into them and inspired every word that they wrote down. That's why we believe that the entire Bible, even to the very choice of words, is God speaking to us. Amen. But the different words that are used to describe the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit weren't chosen merely uh, to provide a variety of expressions. Because I know when you're doing writing, whether you're writing a thesis or a term paper, they say, you know, always try to use a variety of different words so that your writing is not boring. God didn't just use these different words for variety's sake. He used these different words because each one reveals a different aspect of this wonderful experience, this wonderful promise that's referred to as the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it tells us why we need it. First of all, the scripture says we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you read Acts 1-5, it says, "For for John truly baptized you with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's Jesus' promise, right? That's him speaking. John baptized you with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with water the Spirit. And now sometimes there's confusion. You know, people sometimes confuse baptism in water with baptism in the Holy Spirit because of the use of the word baptism in both cases. But these are two separate experiences. Amen. One of them we do as we obey Christ. We obey Christ to be water baptized. The other one is done to us as we seek God. He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So two different experiences. The word baptism simply means to be immersed. Immersed. It's from the Greek word baptizo, and it means to immerse. So in one instance, you are immersed in water when we get water baptized. In the other instance, we are immersed in the Spirit. Amen? So to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed, to be submerged in, to be completely covered, surrounded, and saturated by the Holy Spirit. I love one early use of the, word, the Greek word baptisto, and it comes from a pickle recipe used by a man named Decander, a Greek poet and physician who lived around 200 B.C. And he writes that to become a pickle, a cucumber must be baptized in vinegar. So in this recipe, we see that baptism involves the total immersion of something, Right? The entire cucumber must be submerged, surrounded by, and saturated with vinegar. And when that happens, a permanent transformation occurs. Because once the cucumber becomes a pickle, there's no going back to be a cucumber again. Amen? Therefore, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be totally immersed, submerged in, and surrounded by the Holy Spirit in such a way that our life is permanently transformed. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And I know since I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I've never been the same again. Amen? Praise the Lord. God wants us to be immersed in his spirit so that his power and presence can saturate every aspect of our being and permanently transform us. And folks, once we get baptized in the Holy Ghost, we need to stay under. We need to stay submerged in the spirit. So that like a sunken ship where the water floods every compartment and crevice, the Holy Spirit can flood every part of our life. I was watching the History Channel some time ago and they were recovering artifacts and pieces of sunken old Spanish galleons that are at the bottom of the sea. And they said that they have to keep the items and pieces of the ship that are recovered when they bring them to the surface, they have to keep them in containers of ocean water or else exposure to the air will destroy them. They have to keep them submerged in ocean water folks we've got to stay submerged in the spirit to protect us from exposure to this world and 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 uh, we need to stay submerged until we get to heaven where the bible says when we see him we shall be like him amen we'll be completely delivered from the influences of this world until then we need to remain submerged in the spirit amen Secondly, not only does the Bible say, you know, that we are baptized in the Spirit, but it says we receive. We receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will receive. You will receive. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, you will receive. And Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, that word receive is key because the Holy Spirit is a gift that is given, but it must be received by us. Receiving the Holy Spirit means taking a hold of that gift for ourself. The Greek word is lambano, and it's used six times in reference to the Holy Spirit. Six times in reference to the Holy Spirit that we must receive the Holy Spirit. So it, take, it means to take something that has already been made available, something that has already been offered. God is holding it out to us, but we have to receive it. We have to take it for ourselves. So they had the, the promise of the Father that they would receive power from on high. That's our promise too. It's given to us. Yeah. And the early church, they were aware that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was available to every believer as long as they reached out by faith to lay a hold of it for themselves. Folks, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift that God has already made available to you. He's holding it out to you. All you need to do is reach out by faith and receive it for yourself. And when you receive a gift, the gift is offered, but you got to reach out to take it. Amen. You've got to reach out to take. One commentator states that the Greek word lambano, which means receive, is normally active and volitional. It is described as a deliberate taking. See, we're not passive in the process. It's not something that's just done to us. Yes, when, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to fill us. But it's not just something that we just sit there. Uh, years ago, I took a religion class in high school. That's when they still offered religion in class in high school. But they, the, the class covered many different things. You know, it covered Hinduism, Islam, and everything like that. And then it covered Christianity. And um, the teacher, my high school teacher in that class, um, he didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit for today. He believed that it was something God did you know, way back when in the first century to get the church started, but then God doesn't do it anymore. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says this is for every generation that believes unto your children, to your children's children, even to as many as are, are far off, amen? So when he when he um, was teaching the part on Christianity, somehow he brought up the issue of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know, I used to have a Pentecostal friend that would tell me about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I didn't believe in all of that stuff. And he said, one day I was just out sitting under a tree and I said, God, if it's real, give it to me. (laughs) He did just like that. And he said, nothing happened, so it must not be real. First of all, he wasn't asking in faith because he didn't believe it was real. So you can't take by faith something that you don't believe in. Amen. You don't believe it's for you. So we have to receive by faith. We're not passive in the process. We have to seek God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus told us what we need to do to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 11. He said we need to ask, we need to seek, and we need to knock. And that describes an increasing intensity of our pursuit to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And in fact, when he said, ask, seek, and knock, those words are, I'm not giving you a grammar lesson this morning. I know many of us didn't like grammar. But those words in the Greek are in the continuous progressive tense, meaning that it is an ongoing action. So when Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, he said, keep on asking, and you shall receive. Keep on seeking, and you shall knock. Uh, you shall uh, find, keep on knocking, and it shall be opened unto you. It's not like you just sit there and say, God, fill me. And okay, he didn't, so that's it, it's over with, amen? In fact, the 120 that heard Jesus say, go and wait in Jerusalem, they were in Jerusalem, Jesus said, wait until. He didn't give a time frame, right? He didn't say, wait 24 hours, wait one week, wait two weeks. No, Jesus said, go and wait until. And the word wait in the Bible never means just sit around and do nothing. It means to seek God, amen. And that's where it says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It means to seek God with expectancy. And we're waiting for God to do something because we're we're seeking with expectancy, amen. So he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He didn't say wait 24 hours, wait 48 hours, wait 70. He didn't give them a time frame. right? They didn't know how long they were gonna have to seek. He just said, until. Why am I stressing that? Because sometimes we come to this altar or we pray at home one or two times. We don't get filled with the Holy Spirit and we think, oh, it must not be for me or it must not be real. No, we need to keep pressing in. We need to keep seeking until, amen, don't give up until because every time you pray, it's never wasted. God is doing something in your life. You know, God is doing something in your life. So Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on na- knocking, because the Father will give the Holy Spirit to all, not some, all who ask him. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you an all? Are you an all? <laughs> then tell him this gift's for you. This gift's for you. Amen, amen. And, and, and we need to be like Jacob. You know, God gives us uh, illustrations of people in the Bible to teach us lessons. And God had made a promise to Jacob in the Old Testament. And there's one night when this angel appears to Jacob, and he's telling Jacob this promise, and Jacob starts to wrestle with the angel. And what does he say? He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And they wrestled all night, and Jacob didn't give up until he received the blessing. That's how we have to pray when we're praying about anything, but when we're praying about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of fervent, persistent faith and prayer that we need to lay a hold of the promise of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is is not just something we receive passively, but it's something that we have to seek, and it's something that we have to open ourselves up to receive. When someone offers you something, you have to be open to receive it, or you will never experience its benefits. You can't pour anything into a closed container. Go home and try it. You have to open the lid in order for the container to receive whatever you're trying to pour into it. Amen? Amen. And God's not going to pry the lid off of us. Right. we got to open ourselves up to him. Amen? To receive whatever he wants to do. If, if asked, are you open to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, most people would say, of course. And they would likely be sincere without realizing that due to wrong beliefs, doubts, fears, or feelings of unworthiness, they're actually closed to receiving. We need to pray, Lord, is there anything in me that is blocking me from receiving the outpouring of your Holy Spirit in my life? It could be a wrong belief. Uh, You know, some people were taught when they were young that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for today. Or some people were taught that speaking in tongues is of the devil. I was at a conference in a local church in this area, a big church. And, you know, just like we have a track rack in the, in the hallway where you can take evangelistic tracks, they had a track rack. And um, one of the tracks was, why speaking in tongues is of the devil. Well, Hello. It's in the Bible. It's a gift from God, yeah. not a gift from the devil. It's a gift from God. So where do you come off saying it's a gift from the devil? But some people were taught that from the time that they were young. And so even though now they may be uh, reading the scripture and they may be hearing about how God wants to baptize in the Holy Ghost, those beliefs may be in the back of their mind, and it could be a hindrance. Or there could be doubts, you know, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. You know, I remember when my father first began ex- being exposed to Pentecostal things, you know, there was that doubt in him. You know, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. You know, my uncle, uh, he, he, he wasn't quite a believer at that time. I was ministering at a church in Miami, and um, he had doubts. And so he said, you know what I'm going to do? One of these days, I'm going to come into your church. And he, my, my dad's family's Arabic. He said, I'm going to stand up and speak in Arabic, and I bet you somebody's going to interpret it and say it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, we had to tell them don't do that because that's playing with the things of God. And you don't want to mess around with that stuff. You know, but there's those doubts that some people have, you know, is it real? Even when when the Holy Spirit's moving on somebody down here, and you can see it. You know, they may get first what the Bible refers to as stammering lips, you know. You can see, you know, their tongue almost just fluttering in their mouth as the Holy Spirit is moving on them. And then all of a sudden you see them clamp down. And a lot of times it's either fear or it's doubt. They're thinking, uh, uh, this, this is not real. This is just me. This is just emotion. Maybe this is not God, you know, and they, and they just clamp down on it. So we need to ask God, Lord, search my heart and expose anything in me that is preventing me from receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And whatever it is, Lord, help me to surrender it to you. And, and we need to pray, God, heal me. God, deliver me. God, set me free so that I can receive. We got to open ourselves up. So God can pour into us his spirit. Amen. It's available to all who ask. Thirdly, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. It comes upon us. Looking again at Acts 1-8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, what? Comes upon you. And, and, And it's almost an overtaking is what is signified here. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit to overtake us. The word come upon in Greek, epikamai, and it means to arrive, to come upon powerfully, to overtake. When the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, she was overshadowed or overtaken by the Holy Spirit, and she supernaturally conceived a baby named Jesus, even though she was a virgin. When the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, He was anointed with supernatural power to start his ministry, to preach the good news of the gospel, to heal the sick, and to set free the captives. And when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers in the book of Acts, they were supernaturally empowered to spread the gospel, to heal the sick, and to deliver the oppressed, so much so that the gospel spread around the world in one generation. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And then the Bible says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit in a greater way than I poured out my spirit back then. I believe we're living in the last days. You can see the prophecies just being fulfilled all around us. God started the outpouring after hundreds of years of there not being a move of the Spirit. God started to pour out His Spirit again in 1906. And there has been an increasing outpouring of His Holy Spirit through the world. And God wants to pour out His Holy Spirit upon us. But we've got to let the Holy Spirit overtake us. Have you ever been to the beach and you're standing there maybe in the water, you know, maybe ankle deep or even hip deep, and suddenly a wave comes along and it just overtakes you and it lifts your feet up off of the ground. And with your feet off the ground, you are no longer in control. Something else is moving you. Something else is carrying you effortlessly. It's moving you where it wants to go that gives us an idea of what it means to allow the holy spirit to overtake us like a wave he wants to come upon us and he wants to lift us above our natural abilities and capacities and he wants to move us and he wants to use us in a mighty way hallelujah when the holy spirit overtakes us We surrender to his control and we allow him to flow in us and through us and do what he desires to do. When he is in control, he conquers the sinful fleshly desires and nature and he produces the fruit of the Spirit in us, which is the character of Christ, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faith, and self-control. When the Holy Spirit overtakes us, our mind, our hearts, our desires, our ambitions, our fears, and everything that is of self begin to change. When the Holy Spirit overtakes us, He has control as we surrender to Him. And we allow Him to have the freedom to do what He desires to do in and through us. And we allow Him to have the freedom to take us where He wants to take us. Amen. I am not a good swimmer. I drown really well, (laughs) but I'm not a good swimmer. I've finally learned how to float, and and I can paddle water, but I'm not a good swimmer. Amen? And when my sister and I were teens, we were at a community pool. This was when we lived in Oklahoma, and my sister got the bright idea, without telling me, that if she threw me in the deep end of the pool, which was about 10 feet, um, that in my desperation, I would learn how to swim. Wrong. First of all, because of the shock of being unexpectedly thrown into the pool, I went under a couple of times and swallowed water, and I was flailing my arms, and I was calling for help. I was drowning real well. And as much as I struggled, I could not keep my head above water. About the third time I went under, she realized I was in trouble, and she jumped in, and she pulled me up by my ponytail and pulled me to the side of the the pool. But since then, I have learned that if I just relax and lean back, if I just surrender myself to the water, like mighty arms, it just comes under me, and it just lifts me up. Have you all discovered that? Amen. It's called floating, all right? The water just picks you up effortlessly and carries you. Folks, as long as we're struggling in our own strength, as long as we want to be in control, the Holy Spirit cannot overtake us. But when we just relax and surrender and say, come Holy Spirit and take control, We are going to have the most wonderful, the most marvelous experience that we have ever had in our life. And it's going to be the beginning of a wonderful journey of a spirit-filled life. Amen. A.J. Gordon, a Pentecostal preacher and writer, said, Before Pentecost, the disciples found it hard to do easy things. After Pentecost, they found it easy to do hard things. That's the difference. See, without the Holy Spirit, it's oftentimes hard for us to follow Christ. We're struggling. It's hard for us to witness. We're afraid people will reject us. They'll ridicule us. We won't know enough. We don't know what to say. We're struggling to do easy things. That's right. But after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, wow. it's easy for us to do hard things because we have supernatural power flowing us. The Holy Spirit makes it easy for us. To do the things that God is calling us to do. To live a Christ-honoring life, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and to set free the captive. The Holy Spirit makes it easy for us to do these things. So let's just relax. You know, sometimes when we give the altar call for people to seek for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they come up here and they're so tense, like they're ready to fight bulldogs for a living. You know, they're not... Just relax, folks. God's a good God. He's never going to hurt you. He's never going to do something bad to you. Amen. He only wants to do good towards you. Amen. So just relax and surrender. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit overtake you and fill you. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to clothe us with power. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Some versions say until you have been endued or filled with power from on high. The Greek word is literally to be clothed. It reminds me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit reminds me kind of how, you know, Superman in his natural state is this mild-mannered dorky kind of Clark Kent reporter guy. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And then when, when he changes his clothes uh-huh. and he puts on that Superman suit, he becomes a superhero with superhuman powers uh-huh. to fight evil, right? Of course, that's all myth, right? Yeah. That's not real. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is real. And God wants to clothe us with power from on high. He wants to put a supernatural suit on us, hallelujah, so that miracle-working power can flow through us. Power to do what we cannot do in our strength or ability. Power to walk the Christian life like Christ. Power to do miracles of healing and deliverance. Power to proclaim the gospel boldly in the way that the New Testament church did when they would see thousands coming to Christ. Power to live the victorious Christian life. One writer said our Heavenly Father never intended for his children to live and operate naked. Go ahead. That's good. That's good right there. He went on to explain, that is, he never intended us to live and operate without the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to clothe us with power from on high. Folks, the reasons the devil's getting the better of some of us is because we're out there fighting naked. Go ahead, Pastor. We're out there trying to live spiritually naked lives, and the devil's getting the best of us. We need to be clothed with power from on high. As we conclude, I want to return to Paul's original question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate experience from salvation. It follows after salvation. And God has promised and made available this wonderful gift to each and every one of us. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be fully emerged, submerged, and saturated with his presence and power. He wants you to receive this wonderful, gracious gift of the Spirit. All we have to do is ask and open ourselves up and say, God, come and fill every part of me and take complete control. He wants to clothe you with supernatural power from on high to be able to live powerfully, to be able to live victorious lives, to be able to... to to do what he's calling us to do, to share the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to let his spirit flow through us with miracle working power. But we've got to open ourselves up to receive, and we've got to ask and seek. We've got to seek and surrender. Amen. But first and foremost, the promise of the Holy Spirit is given to those who believe, those who have placed their faith in Christ as their savior, And repented of their sins. And the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And that's why we need Jesus, because Jesus came and lived a perfectly sinless life, and then he laid his life down as a sacrifice for our sins, so that when we believe in him, And we repent, and the word repent means to turn away from. We recognize the way that we've been living is heading in the wrong direction. We've been living without regard to God and his will, and we've been heading to destruction. We make a U-turn, and we say, God, forgive me. I don't want to live that way anymore. I turn to you in faith, and I ask you to come live inside of me. And the moment that we do that, the Bible says we're born again. We're made spiritually alive. We're brought into relationship with God. He as our father and we as his children. And that's the beginning of a wonderful, lifelong relationship with God. So I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. You at home as well. And if you're listening to this message and you're saying, Pastor, I want you to pray for me because I have not yet given my heart to Christ. I've not yet repented of my sins and placed my faith in him. But I want to. I want to be forgiven. I want to be born again. I want to become a child of God. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, I did that once years ago, but I've drifted away. And I can feel the Holy Spirit pulling at my heart saying it's time to come back. If that's you, you either want to come to Christ for the first time or you want to come back to him. And you would say, pray for me, Pastor. Would you just slip your hand up? Just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for another hand. Thank you for another hand. Another, 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 another. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful, church? Amen. Amen. I wanna ask those of you that raised your hand just to do one more thing with me, if you will. Would you just pray this simple prayer? It's not my words, my words are not special, but it's your heart meaning what you're praying, and God is gonna do exactly what you ask him to do. Pray this prayer with me, dear Jesus. Thank you for loving me. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to congratulate each and every one of you that just prayed. Amen. You just made the absolute best decision of your life, and I want to welcome you to the family of God. I'd like to ask you to do just one more thing, if you would. If you have your phone with you, if you would just text I prayed to the number on the screen. Why? Because we want to send you a free e booklet that's going to help you understand the prayer you just prayed and know the next steps to take to keep growing in your relationship with God. Because that prayer was a beginning, not an end. And we want to help you to keep growing in your relationship with God. So if you just text I prayed to the number on the screen online, if you prayed that prayer, if you would just type I prayed in the comments a little later today, will send your response message with a link click on that link fill in your name and email and we will send this book to you free of charge but once again congratulations and welcome to the family of god i want to speak briefly to those who have already received jesus as your savior god wants you to be baptized in the holy spirit he wants you to be immersed in his presence and in his power he wants you to receive this gracious and wonderful gift that you can be clothed with power from on high And so for every one of us, I want to ask you in a moment to come to this altar, either to be filled for the first time or to be refilled, because you know the word immerse means to be submerged, but sometimes we keep floating back up to the top, amen, and we need to get back under again, and so I want to invite you in just a moment, if you want to be filled or refilled, to come to this altar, but for those of you that are seeking to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, I want to give you just a little bit of help. First, what does it take to be filled with the Spirit? The very first thing is believe. Believe that this promise is for you. God wants every believer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Secondly, ask. Jesus said the Father will give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks him. So pray and ask God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And once you've done that, then lift both hands to heaven and just begin to worship Jesus right out loud because when you do that, you're opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit. Remember, you can't pour anything into a closed jar. Open yourself up because when the Holy Spirit comes and he starts taking control... If your mouth is closed, he's not going to pry your mouth open and try to force you to speak in another language. But if your mouth is already open, praising and worshiping him, it'll be very easy for him to overtake you like a wave of the sea and begin to speak through you in a language that you have never learned. So the key is believe this is for you. Ask God to fill you. And then open yourself up. Lift your hands to heaven. Begin to praise him right out loud. And believe the Lord to fill you. So I want to invite you right now. If you want to be filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit, if you would, just make your way to the altar. Would you just come to the altar right now? And I'm going to ask for some of our prayer warriors and some of our our prayer ministers, if you will, to come and help me pray for these that are coming to the altar. Hallelujah. Just make your way right up to the altar. And do what we said right now. Believe this is for you. Ask. Lift your hands to heaven and begin to worship and praise him right out loud. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you. And we hope you will join us again.